Oh, shit. Speaking <laughs> of my pen, do I, need, do I need my pen or not? Is what I'm wondering. Welcome back to the fight, guys. feel like I'm in Groundhog's Day. We've been at it for a little while now. We're going to go with what gets us there, and it's going to have to be this level of quality. Thank you for coming back with us. I am Emmanuel, as always, your host here with Cheney, holding, holding it down on the sticks, getting it done. Uh, as I was saying, been doing this a few times over, don't know how much more I want to go over the last two weeks that we've been a little bit absent, but it was a shit show as far as fights coming through, people not making weight. We had some awesome finishes, but there's a pay-per-view right around the corner. It's only 10, 10 bouts as of right now. And I mean, that can move to hopefully doesn't move at all. If anything, they hopefully they add a couple. I know they tried, but they, those have since fallen out. So, Chaney, how have you been since we last met? What an intro that was. <laughs> oh, I know we've gone over this a few times. And if you guys do hear an occasional pop, we are sorry. We tried to fix it, but this is where we're at. And... Um... Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, we talked about Misha Tate. We talked about fights. We don't want to do it again. I think we should just get into UFC 260. Steve Avers, Francis Ngannou. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> Number two, 260. Another pay-per-view off of a star-studded event. Unfortunately, I feel like this one's hanging on by a thread. And there's no way he would get me to pay for this at all whatsoever. Allegedly. <laughs> but you know I'm definitely going to be looking for all them clips at the end of it. Um, again, it's only 10 bouts. It was 11. Got back down to 12. Ortega versus Volkanovski fell out via two COVID. Roy Dell fell off last week against Gillespie because of the same COVID. But who is it? Shane Young is coming back from his suspension already of COVID. And Malarkey's a part of all of that. So we will get to it. As we're saying, we just got to chug through now for this 10-card bout pay-per-view event coming out of Vegas. We do have the small cage, which everybody is just kind of forgot to talk about. But it has still been a mega factor. And the fact that we've been seeing so many finishes in all of these fights is because when these guys get dog-tired, I feel like they have a lot less room to run. When they're dead tired and they can just keep backing up in a 35-foot cage, and I feel like now guys just see the corner and they're like, all right, I'm just going to fall to my knees and let them punch me out. Um, I just, that's something people have talked about before, so I don't know. I feel like it's a factor that we might start to move away from, especially when we get to these Florida arena shows. They're going to get back up to the 35-foot cage just because uh, it holds capacity. So, Things to think about here, but you know how we always do it. We start from the bottom to the top, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Here we have Modesta Bukalkis coming in against Mikhail Olienzeisuk. Olienzeisuk. I have Lord. Abu Azatar versus Marc-Andre Burial. I'm sorry. I went up way too high. Woo! That's how far we got on other shows, I feel. <laughs> 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 on the second and you're show. absolutely right yeah <laughs> that's what it feels like at this point so uh abu Azatar versus uh mark andre burial at 185 pounds this is a three-round fight 
as they all are down on the prelims. Barry Alton coming off a three-fight losing streak, last getting his last fight um, overturned due to steroids, I believe, for Pichota, who ended up winning that bout. Um, the 11-4 and four fighter Barry Alton is kind of just like a push-up against the cage at distance, has very... Pitter-pattery shots when he throws hard. It's really not that hard at all. More of a decision machine. Coming in against the veteran of one fight in the UFC against Vitor Miranda, who we are not high on at all here. Abu Azatar, the younger, bigger brother of the other Azatar. You might remember him from, what's in the bag, bro? What's in the bag? He was a part of that camp uh, where that gentleman shimmied across flights of all sorts of decks to get in there. Everybody thinks it's steroids. They officially released a statement saying it was potatoes. I don't know if I believe that. Sounds like a whole bunch of mashed potatoes to me. But Azatar, we know he's on the juice. We know that the Azatar brothers are on the juice. We know that for a fact because they got caught essentially fucking walking in with this and only because of their big money ties. Uh, almost prince status that these guys have. Uh, they get away with a little bit more here. But Azatar being a more powerful fighter, but his gas tank's a lot worse than Barrialt here. Barrialt can grind out three hard rounds where Azatar really starts to fade at the second part of that uh, round. I want to say the power is going to play the role as well as I feel like the judges might be in the bankroll for the Azatar brothers. I just feel like the UFC's in their pocket for whatever reason because they were officially banned from the UFC for that first couple days. And then they're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. All right, we'll let them keep fighting. So I think that they're trying to give Azatar a win. Barry out showing a weak record coming off there. It's a coin flip for a reason. I'm going to stay clear of it. We tell you guys to stay clear of these on DraftKings most of the time. How do you feel about it, Cheney? I'm going to go with Azatar by decision. Um, I might, I'll probably steer clear as well. On DraftKings, Barry all 8,200, the slight favorite, minus 115 against the minus 105. Azatar, 8,000 even on DraftKings. Um, it's Azatar or nothing. It's kind of dog or pass as far as I'm concerned because he's has a knockout potential. If Barrial gets it done, it's only via decision. Uh, so DraftKings, big fat, stay away. Then we get into Shane Young versus Omar Morales. This was put together in the last four to five days. Shane Young being pulled off of cards week, a card two weeks ago for COVID, essentially probably spread it to the rest of them. I'm thinking he was the epicenter for their team, but they're all going to get it and uh, have to go through even more clearances to get back into New Zealand and or Australia. But the city kickboxing standout out here is coming off of a loss uh, to Klein, Ludwig Klein five months ago prior to that, getting a win over Austin Arnett die in there, losing the Volkanovski as well. Since that Volkanovski loss, he went over to city kickboxing and has really uh, picked it up. What we've seen though with a lot of these, uh, CKB guys is the takedown defense uh, is serviceable to an extent. Once they're on the ground, though, the jiu-jitsu is just not there. They usually go outside of the camp to get the jiu-jitsu credentials on the ground uh, to put together. And Young is somewhat there, but he can be taken down. Against Omar Morales, though, a, a Venezuelan kickboxer fighting out of Hard Knocks 360. I know it's the Armory slash Hoofs now team, whatever they got going. 
but uh, Morales has been training with uh, who's his name, Dorino Burns, uh, and all of the crew alike. Usually, where you see them, Morales is in and around there. Good body kicks, mainly a Muay Thai striker, shown serviceable takedown defense. I don't think either one of these guys, if there's a way to take it to the ground, it's probably young, but I do think it turns into a striking battle. It's got decision written all over it. The only reason I want to pick Morales is because he had the fights fall out and he was in the full training camp for this where Shane Young did not. He's technically taking it on three days notice, but Shane Young got ready for a fight two weeks ago, stayed in Vegas and has been at the Performance Institute with an entire camp. So he has just as good of a camp. I These guys that do this, they're in Vegas. They got nothing else to do. They're going to go train. I want to maybe switch over to Shane Young. I'm going to go Morales' decision right now. I'm going to steer clear of this one. I do think of the decision, though. I do think they just kind of stay at distance and um trade kick for kick and kind of showboat at each other and say good shot, but I don't see either one of these guys putting each other out. If there's knockout potential, I think it's more in Morales' favor. Who do you think you're taking this one? I got a decision for Morales. I agree with everything you said, but I am also going to pick Decision Morales, including if there's a knockout potential for anyone. I'm just going to – I like the amount of time Shane Young's taken. I think he's going to be ready for camp. I don't think this is a money grab. I think this is actually a good, fast fight. I can't believe we get to see this fight on short notice. Interesting part of this, this has an O next to it on DraftKings, and I know that there's a lot of – betters that are hesitating to pull the trigger on this because Shane Young's still not officially cleared via his COVID protocol. They're, from what I understand, they're taking this bout, expecting him to clear whatever that means, whether it's a negative test or whatnot. Um, so technically, he's still not eligible for, eligible via the Nevada State Athletic Commission, but they know in three days he'll be cleared, and that might just be Saturday. So... If you're betting this one, definitely hesitate. Wait on it a little bit on DraftKings as far as that's concerned. The slight favorite in Morales is going to be 8,700 against Shane Young, 7,500. There's no way I'm paying that much for Omar Morales in this close of a fight, so I'm going to steer clear from this one. The whole weekend is going to be a steer clear. I've been playing heavy the last two weekends, and this one just seems like I'm going to be waiting for the events in the near future. What do you think on DraftKings? Is it worth it for this one or not? I'm not going to ruin my night this early. Absolutely great, great point there. At 205 pounds, we have Modesta Bukaukas coming in against Mikhail Olienchuk. Olienchuk, Olienzuk coming in out of Poland. Uh, coming off a two-fight losing streak against Jimmy Crute. Submission and OSP via Von Fluchok. Prior to that, he beat Antigulov and Volante via body shot. Um, Mikhail in here, Lord, we know we liked him a lot here because he blasts the body. He'll go with three, four punch combinations to the body, really fold guys over. But we see that he just has one round type of cardio in there on the ground. We also see there's deficiencies. He just doesn't get there because he blasts you. As much as that bird is blasting those sirens in here that son of a gun is going <laughs> i haven't podcasted for a bit so he's like oh i haven't had to save it up but god i gotta just call the elephant in the room he's driving me nuts <laughs> <laughs> that son of a gun 
So, uh, only ain't Chuck here though. The gas tank, something I absolutely hate to bet on people or have to have money behind is someone with a weak gas tank. But we know he can get you out of there if it happens in the first round. Bukakis in here coming in with an 11-3 record, getting his first loss in the UFC against Jimmy Crute via TKO in there. Wasn't able to take it down. Had to get it done in the feet. Prior to that, he beat McLeodis retirement in between rounds. Um, the Cage Warriors standout also has a common opponent in Ricardo in there. I think uh, Modestus here is better on the distance he doesn't have as much power but he's a much more technical guy the thing that sucks about Mikel is that he might flash knock you out in that first barrage but if it gets out of that first round I think Modestas Modestas has a real good shot at running into a decision type of a win here uh, just as bad as we see in the gas tank on Mikel and we don't see him uh, really changing that fight style at all whatsoever but I think Bukakis Modestus keeps it at distance and those body shots don't play in. The clinch doesn't play in because of that. So I'm going decision. I could even go TKO round number three for the slight underdog plus 125. Uh, give me the Baltic Gladiator here. Out of these two young men, who do you think you're taking? I'm going to go with Ole Inchikas, and I'm going to go by knockout. I think it's going to be a stand and bang, in which case I think he can figure it out by round two. I think those body shots will add up, um, and then maybe he can, uh, yeah, a two or three. Uh, but I I really just don't like uh, Ole um Sorry, my cat. Everything's going crazy. My cat keeps trying to walk on my computer. We're in the I'm same like, Stop. And this is the fifth Stop. time. Stop. And this is the fifth recording. I know. That's this crazy. never happens. I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think as long as somebody's not going to try to submit him, he's fine. Um, and so this is just going to be a stand and bang. Uh, and I think he's going to have the better hands all around here. And it's due for a win. So give me Oliencha because just because he's a little bit better of a fighter, in my opinion. Definitely a really interesting night, as we've been saying overall. And send Oh, I don't think you have Evil Twin's email. So we will not have Evil Twin on this <laughs> the third time over. He's trying to get in over here, and it's not going to work. We officially do not have a draft. You can forward him that belt. email I sent you. Um, I'm oh. on the phone. Oh. <laughs> I don't think you have We have it. had all the difficulties today. Absolutely. Uh, but only in Chuck, only in Chuck here, the slight favorite is 8,500 on DraftKings against Modestas. Bukakis is 7,700. Uh, I feel like I can play either one of these guys because I like what you're saying. If Mikel wins, if Lord wins, it's got to be in that first round. So he's going to be worth it as far as DraftKings. But uh, in that decision, I like. Um, just a control time that Modestas have. I could see myself having a little bit of the underdog here, but I don't think I'm going to have tons of exposure to this. On DraftKings, does any of that look tempting to you at all? Uh, maybe. I might pay, play uh, Lord on one. At 8,500? Ugh, no, never mind. I can't. Even right? though I see a knockout, I don't feel good about that for him. Average 62 points to the 50 for Bukakis, yeah, though he that. has had many more fights. Um, gnarly. Absolutely gnarly. 
Jared Gooden at 170 pounds coming in against Akmar Nomagomedov. Abwakbar Nomagomedov. This was put together with about eight to nine days notice. A lot of these guys staying ready. Habib Nurmagomedov, we didn't talk about this at all much, but it's kind of a narrative that I don't see many people talking about, so I want to play a little light into it. Officially, you know, I say Habib's done. He's not doing that anymore. I've been saying he's done as well because he's a man of his word. But what I feel like is happening with Habib and Daniel Cormier shed light a bit on it is that there's a big gap that was left open when Abdul Manap ended up passing away due to COVID, his father. So Habib is like, I'm not fighting. I'm coaching. I got 25 guys on the roster. Let's go, boys. And he's just taking over. And he loves the coaching position, as we saw Kevin Holland asking for some of that coaching. And it worked. A little bit Habib gave him in the cage. But uh, interesting here, this is going to be one of Norman Gomedov's official cousins, officially coming in here. But probably the least... Nurmagomedov, Nurmagomedov, he type of fighter, if I can say yeah. that, if that makes any type of sense. He's definitely the one with the most weaknesses in here, being 15-3-1. and one, um, There's just a little bit of quit left in this Nurmagomedov. Uh, he has a lot of that Dagestani <sighs> training, a lot of that wrestling, but when he gets hurt and once that gas tank starts to fade, which isn't great for uh, Abu Barak here, I, I, he just kind of clings on for the win and... His takedowns are solid. His striking is good. He's got a good spinning back kick in there every once in a while. But uh, after that second round, that third rounds are just never good for him. And against solid UFC competition, uh, I mean, it's not going to be an easy fight. He last fought David Zawada and lost via triangle choke. Again, I feel like that tri or that gas tank played a role in that submission as well as in his PFL or what was that other loss? The PFL loss. It was also gas tank rolled that rear naked choke only happened because he got to the back and then he was just willing to tap instead of try to fight it off um so definitely not a norma gomedov who deserves a minus 225 type of status here jared gooden 17 and 5 is nothing but a veteran came into the ufc had a not so good showing losing to Alan Joe Ban, who's really on the tenure of his career, really more announcing more than anything. The fact that Gooden just kind of gassed as well after that first round, I feel like the UFC, Khabib, Ali Abdelaziz, they're all specifically picking up matchups, this being short notice as well. I'm assuming Gooden's just trying to get another fight, also getting that paycheck. But should have the wrestling credentials to at least put up a fight. But after that first round, he gasses as well. And I feel like Norman Gomedov is just going to have more time to get a lot more of that control. I do not like the minus 225. I don't feel just because if he clipped hard in that first round, which Gooden has that type of power to do that, Norman Gomedov will quit and just fold up and be done in that first round. I got decision Norman Gomedov, but again, steer clear of this. Don't bet this. This is the one Norman Gomedov you shouldn't be betting on. Uh, and I will be the first one to tell you. Like, <laughs> There's many other ones. Not him. He, he, so, decision, who do you have for this? I, I'm actually going to go with Gooden. Um, I think Alan Joban looked better in his last fight than he has so in so long, and he was all bodied up. It was the best version of Alan Joban that we've seen in such a long time. Once he withstood that power, 
of Gooden, he was good to go. But Alan Joe Bands no slouch. He's way, way, way better, in my opinion, than this uh, Nurgunamedov over here. Um, I think Gooden could uh, not only maybe um, knock him out, but maybe submit him. Uh, I, I don't think Abu Bakar uh, has as good of a submission defense game as the rest of them either. So I'm going to go with Gooden by decision let me look at all these real quick oh i think he can get a submission i'm gonna put good in submission round three. Oh, it's gonna be a greasy ass fight i mean i feel like save your money even though it's a pay-per-view save your money and i don't feel like this card even stays together because again that potential of shane young Maybe not clearing it. There's a short it's not notice a great opponents. card. It really isn't already. They it always really... do this with heavyweight cards, though. I but... am one of the biggest hypers for shitty cards. I will say above most people, I'll be like, I'm still excited for this card. There's some bouts that I'm excited for. This card, god dang. If it wasn't a pay-per-view, I mean, there's really no reason to be talking about a lot of these bouts because it's so... Un... The, the variables are so... Almost unreasonable. I, it's fights. It's UFC fights. I ain't going to complain about that, but uh, definitely going to be very careful with my money. At 205 pounds, we have a short notice replacement debuting fighter coming in against the Lenzo Menafield, Fabian, Fabio, Charette, Charant, Charant, 7-1, only losing via TKO ground and pound on the contender series via Alexa K. Moore, Stipe Miocic's is training partner, being an LFA standout as well in there. Charant is a Luozon mixed martial artist, having Joe Luozon in the corner really uh, watched the, the, a good amount of his fights, and uh, his he's a southpaw. Has a good straight left. Not a ton of power for as muscle-bound as he is. As big a tits as he has. And, I mean, I we lost this bout. We've talked about it multiple times with Alonzo Menafield versus Jared Knight. With, versus Knight. That fell out two days ago because Knight now popped for COVID. So, Alonzo Menafield is staying on the card by now getting Fabio in here. Um, the water buffalo on short notice. But... I, this isn't UFC caliber type of a fighter here. The water buffalo is just that he's a, a southpaw fighter, straight down the left. Take down the fence is not really that good. His gas tank is around at that. What I absolutely hate is that he's willing to jump for that guillotine as soon as the takedown comes instead of sprawl with the hands, head, or hips. He'll just give up the takedown, go for that guillotine, and he's been ground uh, in many positions. The thing is that he's just finding such journey-level bums that are just not muscular uh, or non-athletic that they gas out, and he's able to get these kind of high-elbow guillotines in on them. But at the UFC caliber, UFC level, I don't see that happening at all. I don't see how you don't put Menafield absolutely everywhere tko round number one but menifield's gas tank is also absolutely dog shit that's why i hate this fight menifield gases after the first round i don't know if fabio fabio water buffalo charant here can take those type of punches because he's never felt them he has not been in the, that level the only level he was even close to it he lost dramatically 
and that was Kamur, who's lost his debut in the UFC. So uh, it's Menafield or nothing. I got TKO round number one here, and I, I mean, this is my linchpin. I'm playing only three or four cards, which for me is next to nothing, but it's going to have Menafield on every single one of those. Uh, I don't know if there's an official line out. Who do you think you're taking in this sh- close fight? I'm going the same the way you are. Menafield KO round one. I don't even know who this other guy is. Menafield on DraftKings is 8100 They haven't given a price tag to his opponent. That was due price due to his night fight. Um, that has now, Knight officially has a replacement fight against somebody else. Because again, UFC is now starting to uh, understand the COVID protocols and saying, okay, in 10 days, he'll be cleared and ready to fight again. If he doesn't have a bad reaction to the COVID, he'll, he can get back in there. So I know William Knight already has a fight. I know that for a fact, which is why all of this makes uh, such it's just so crazy. But if Menafield stays at 8,100 on DraftKings, linchpin, the epitome of a linchpin if there's ever been one. You have to put him everywhere. So definitely do that on DraftKings. Then we get into the pay-per-view officially. We got Jamie Malarkey coming in against Kama Worthy at 155 pounds. This is also known as a fight big championships. I know the Jimmy T, Corn Coblin, Guzzlin, son of a gun over there has been trying to strike my record. Not saying I get picks in in time. I got a timestamp. I put it on there. Look it up on the Discord. You can see. <laughs> I don't know if I should be making that big of a stink because I think I got like 15 points, but... I need those points where I'm at right now in fourth position, holding it steady right now. But the fight big championships, that many belt on the line, Cheney holding it in first right now. How do you feel about the fight big championships and where you're at? Good. Um, the only bad part is, is I turned my picks into Jimmy T. That's the only bad part. Loophole. Yeah. But so and he's I only behind me by like five points or something. When I turn mine in, uh, as the fight card starts, interesting. Just saying, try to put that together. (laughs) 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 So, as I was saying, Jamie Malarkey finally coming back into the UFC after four months off losing to Fars Zion. Prior to that, losing to Riddell, going over to the city kickboxing scene as well he's still at magnus crosses camps over there against comma worthy the 16 and 7th fighter came into the ufc made a big showing knocking out Devonte smith beating louise pena as a big underdog as well and last losing to azatar as a favorite the minus 140 favorite right now comma worthy is a banger swings heavy has been training out of that penn state wrestling really like his hips when he has some take down the fence the thing is, he's wild. He likes to brawl in there, throw super looping hooks. But if they land, they'll put you clean out. The thing is, Malarkey took the kitchen sink in multiple fights. I have seen multiple fighters, you know, unload on him and gas out on completely just, I mean, throwing everything at him and Malarkey just staying there and being like, okay, now that you're done, I'm going to put my game plan in motion and these guys are just completely spent. Even in the Riddell fight, go back and watch the strikes off of the knees. I mean, Malarkey's just eating every shot, but that's, it's not a really a good thing because Malarkey just kind of has that punching back defense. He just takes every shot and moves forward. And I feel like Kama Worthy here is just too big of a puncher 
to have that type of a game plan. I think Malarkey, even though I really like him and I really like his heart, I really like his testament, and I'm willing to back those type of fighters because his gas tank's there. It's just the skill's not there. At distance, um, he doesn't have the at-rangeness. He's more of a clinch inside fighter. But even at that, he loses a lot of the inside clinch exchanges. And I feel like Kama Worthy is super explosive, even with those inside uppercuts. I think they're going to play a big role. Uh, so I got a TKO round number two. One of my first finishes of the night gave me the slight favorite here. I actually think he might be, he should be a little bit more of a favorite. But that last loss to Azatar, uh, Ottman, uh, makes it a little iffy for people but i feel comfortable here give me karma worthy who do you think you're taking in this pay-per-view i'm gonna go with karma worthy as well i'm just gonna go by a decision um i like you're saying i think malarkey can take everything thrown at him that karma worthy has um i just think he's gonna lose that control time and become that tall man punching bag so karma worthy by a decision and i do think he can maybe throw enough strikes in three rounds to be worth it on the dk on DraftKings, 8,600 for the slight favorite against Malarkey, 7,600. I am going to be placing Worthy on cards. He's one of the guys that I feel, as I'm saying, even with the linchpin of Menafield at 8-1, Worthy is another guy that's not even at 9,000 that I'm willing to pay for here. Um, so I feel like I'm going to have a good amount of exposure, if not 40 to 50%. But again, I'm going to be in that three to four, maybe the seven card range. Cause, uh, you can pull my leg <laughs> once a week it comes around, <laughs> but, uh, here we go with a 125-pound bout with Jillian Roberts coming in against Miranda Maverick. This was pushed over three weeks ago. We've already talked about this multiple times over. Uh, Miranda Maverick being more of the grinding decision, push you up against the cage. Even if she gets on top, she more just kind of pitter-pats you and just holds in position, where Jillian Roberts is more of this finished potential type of fighter, much more submission savvy. She has hurt people with striking, but it's she uses it more to get to the takedowns. The 9-5 and five, Port St. Lucie's own Jillian Roberts is somebody that I'm going to just always stand out for. I like the local favorite here. Uh, so I'm going to go submission round number two. I feel like she has to soften her up a bit. But what I don't like is Jillian Roberts has traditionally horrible third rounds. And Miranda Ram Maverick goes to decision and can go to decision hard three. So I think uh, Jillian can win the first two, if not get a submission, as I'm saying in the first two. Uh, but Maverick, I do feel like wins the third round if it gets there. Greasy fight. Give me another underdog here. A lot of people going with the favorite, Miranda Maverick. Who do you think you're taking in this bout? I think I'm going to go with Miranda Maverick. I really didn't like what Jillian Roberts showed me in her last fight, and it was just so soon ago. I just don't know if she's going to be able to turn it on. I'm going to go with Maverick by a decision. I think she fights off Jillian Roberts, and once Jillian doesn't get that takedown, she mm -hmm. just gets super disheartened and kind of lazy in there. She leaves her chin up and her hands down and just kind of walks forward and goes for attempt after attempt and just ends up eating punches and doing it. And Miranda Maverick has decent enough hands to take advantage of that. So give me a Maverick by a D. Like a 70-point D. That's what I think. Uh, so on DraftKings, 8,000. 800 for Miranda Maverick against Jillian Roberts, 7,400 on DraftKings. Um, 
I don't think Maverick gets that 100 points unless she finishes right away. So it'd probably be in that okay. like 60, 70 point range. So I am Jillian Roberts or nothing here. But again, limited exposure, one or two cards to this entire bout. It's Roberts for me or nothing at 7-4. But on average, Miranda Maverick has uh, nine or 109 points on average, 110 points on average, Jillian Roberts 70. But the level of competition and the level of fights there is dramatically different. Jillian Roberts fighting a lot of contenders where Maverick has just kind of been fighting low-level fighters. And I mean, this is this is by far the best fighter I feel like um, Maverick has fought. So interesting bout, interesting one. Definitely not, not one I'm looking to profile too much. At 135 pounds, though, a fan favorite coming in here with Thomas Alameda against Sugar Sean O'Malley, the twelve and one fighter, twelve and zero considering him. O'Malley's thinking he's never lost in there. I know that's just hyperbole. He knows he officially lost that bout due to ankles. And if you listen to the fight, guys, Lat B and or whatever other names we've been at before, told you guys. I told you guys, Sugar Sean O'Malley's got weak ankles. I'll tell you, every other fighter that's got weak ankles and or bad hands, bad shoulders, that's what we do here. We watch fights, and we'll tell you things that identify as bad here. Sean O'Malley has bad ankles. He's had it since the regional scene. And specifically said, Chito Vera, the highest level of competition O'Malley's had, throws a lot of leg kicks, and I can actually see... Uh, leg injuries, specifically stemming off of that Sokamthath fight, which uh, was controversial in itself as well. So uh, Sugar Shane coming in here off of seven months ago, saying he's healed up. But again, he's, he's a Taekwondo stylist who's good at MMA. He's got his black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a big podcast, uh, big on the streaming for Twitch, plays a lot of video games. But his hype is really just running this line here. Um Yes, he's good, but with this level of opponent, he's not fighting scrubs anymore. Thomas Alameda, who I've been fading for a long time here due to those chin issues, on a three-fight losing streak, being 24-4, and four, mainly losing in the UFC to Jimmy Rivera, you'd be a decision. Rob Font, TKO, and um, Jonathan Martinez have as of late via decision five months ago. Uh, that chin told you guys against Cardi Garbrandt years ago as well. Be careful with that. But what I've really seen in these last fights for uh, Thomas Alameda is he's taken a much more uh, subdued approach. He's not striking as much. He's a Muay Thai striker, very looping in his punches, has a good check left hook, a good inside teep as well. But that chin is just super weak. And that's what really sucks is I feel like the UFC is absolutely looking for the position for Sugar Sean to get a knockout here with a lot of his spinning elbows and spinning kick heel kicks. A lot of his flashy finishes he's had prior to the UFC. But here I feel like Alameda specifically has a really good lower leg kick attack. And now that he's been going to decisions a lot more like Derek Brunson, who we saw recently, now that Brunson's at Stanford's, I feel like Alameda's not in at Stanford's, but he's taken that approach where he's like, I don't need to brawl with all of these guys. They all got power. I'm going to become much more of a Muay Thai striker. And I feel like in that position... Uh, the low kicks are a very big option. He knows 
uh, where O'Malley is and doesn't care here. And I like what he's saying as far as these workups. Give me the underdog here. I've been taking a couple of them, but even if I wasn't taking the underdog here, the line is inflated with O'Malley. It was against Cheeto Vera. It was against his last opponents. Is his popularity. He's not that good of a level of a fighter. Yes, he will get some flashy finishes, but um, not someone I'm willing to put my money behind. Give me all I made a decision. Think the leg kicks play a role as I did against Chito Vera. Who do you think you're taking in this bout? I like what you're saying. Um, I'm going to go with Alameda by a knockout in the third because I think it's going to be by leg kicks. And I don't like Sean O'Malley's head. We've seen him in two fights now where we've seen issues on them weak-ass, wobbly old legs. And I don't like where his head's at. I don't like where his heart's at. I do think he's kind of here to add uh, clout more than he is to chase a belt. And it's just a feeling I get out of him. He has, I know you're, you're supposed to have ego as a fighter, but I don't like his ego. Something about it's off. I'm pulling for Thomas Alameda for that same Derek Brunson reason, and I hope he finishes by leg kicks in the third. This is an emotional decision. I might play both guys on a card. On DraftKings, 9,200 for the minus 320 favorite against Thomas Alameda, 7,000 even. I mean... I can't, I mean, I can't pick, I could put 9-2 on O'Malley. I feel, again, I've made all of my statements for that. Salameda or nothing, and at 7,000, I have to back off of him and not put him on every card in case uh, the UFC's prediction comes true and O'Malley gets this big win. But I feel like Alameda's in a corner here. This is do or die. This pink slip for Alameda. O'Malley can lose a fight and be fine still. Alameda's on a three Ugh, losing I'm changing streak. it. I'm changing it to knock out for O'Malley because it's I a just, gross fight. It's so it's gross. gross he just has beaten <laughs> Alameda level of competition, and Alameda is on his way right out. Ugh, I don't like this fight though. On DraftKings, do you feel like it changes your? I'm going to go one and one still. I'm going to go one and okay. one still. I I don't think that's a bad spot. Um, I have a decision as well, so. Blech. Super gross. Then we have the co-main event of the evening. Tyrone Tyrone Woodley, the movie star, coming in against Vincente Luque, the 19-7 and fighter. Luque is coming off a two-fight winning streak, only losing to Steven Thompson in a decision as of late. Knock, uh, beating Nico Price via cut stoppage. Knocking out Randy Brown seven months ago. Luque was trading in Brazil. Flew into Vegas a few days ago. If you're watching the Embedded, you were catching up on that. So uh, definitely not getting that world-renowned Florida training. Just something to take note of. But here against Tyrone Woodley on a three-fight losing streak, the 19-6 and six fighter, somebody that we've all figured out. We have all know what he does. He backs up to the cage, waits for that overhand right, throws it heavy. It's hard to take down, but after that third round, his gas tank... Uh, for five-rounders isn't there. This is a three-rounder, but looks like it turns into much more of a decision fight. The only intangible that I really don't like here is the fact that Luke moves forward constantly, which is more of his fight style on the ground in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt. Really like what he does. Uh, The thing that I don't like, again, with that moving forward style is that's the tailor-made matchup for Tyrone Woodley to get that overhand right. T-Wood moves his back to the cage. To look for that. To bait you in to get that. And Vincente Luque moves forward on everybody. 
everybody. The way to beat T. Woods is to back off, let him throw his big overhand strikes, which is absolutely limited. If you look at his last five fights, I mean, the output is abysmal for T. Wood, even though his corner's screaming at him in his last fight against Covington. Throw, throw your punch. Rib injury. He broke his rib, by the way, five months ago. Um, TKO stoppage against Colby Covington. Uh, it's just not there. He hasn't been there for years. It's just that power. It's puncher's chance or nothing for T Wood. And for that matter, I think you got to have T Wood on some of your cards as far as DraftKings is concerned. He's one of the few underdogs that I do feel has a real shot just because stylistically, Luke will do that Muay Thai stance and walk in at times. And that overhand right is just known to land. But I got Luke TKO round number two. I think he can actually get it done and just push it on him. Ugh, I'm thinking I want to move that to decision. But I think this is a grosser fight than people have it. I think T. Woods is super live here. I'm not comfortable with this big of a favorite on Luke. Give me Luke. Oh, I'm going to move to decision. I can't go TKO. I think T. Wood has so much power that it backs Luke, Luke off. And he just kind of wins a fight where he lands a lot of jabs. And he gets T. Woods under his belt as many of these other guys. And moves up in the rankings. Stay away. Who are you taking at 170 pounds here? I'm going to go with Luke by decision, too. Um, I just think he's going to have the better hands here and the better leg kicks. T. Woods may have more power, but I think Vincente Luque is going to have more speed. Anytime they get in the grind is going to wear on T. Woods. And T. Woods, I think, is going to be kind of wrestling shy these days. But Luque isn't, you know, he. it's not heavy for him to do that. But I do um, think both guys are going to gas. Even though T. Woods is used to these five-round fights, I don't know if it's this T. Woods that we're necessarily getting anymore, five-round fight T. Woods. Um, he's a little older. Um, I think this is going to be slow going by the end of it and the decision. Um, I don't – like T. Woods isn't one of those guys that ever has strike me as fight of the year type guy, even though Luke is. Luke could make it exciting, but um, I think T. Woods just uh, circles away and never pulls the trigger. Uh, so give me Luke by decision. On DraftKings, 9,100 for Vincente Luque against Tyrone Woodley, 7,100. Um, I think that either one of these guys is viable as far as DraftKings. I think people are going to be surprised at how hard T Woods is to finish. That knockout that came or that TKO that came by uh, Covington was a rib injury that was legitimate. His rib split. The, a lot of other fighters have tried to knock out T Wood and not been able to. So um, I feel like it's a little too steep for me for Luke at 9,100. I feel like the play is T Wood or nothing kind of here as far as drafting is concerned. I'm going to stay away from this battle as far as betting because I'm not as comfortable as the line is, as I'm saying. So on DraftKings, do you see yourself betting Luke at 9,100 often? I could see myself betting Luke over Sugar Shane. So, yeah, I could see him put myself playing him on a card or two. I always like Vincente Luque. He always has busy hands. He does enough. He's solid to me. Uh, you, I agree. I agree. I'll have limited, again, exposure to both of those guys. Probably T-Wood a little bit more there. But uh, limited weekend overall, if we haven't got that across here. At 265 pounds, the main event in this pay-per-view bout, we got Stipe Miocic coming against Francis Zaganu too. We saw the first one years and years ago, Stipe essentially showing that he didn't want to fight Francis at all until he fought DC three times. 
got those all out of the way, showed that he could beat DC two out of the three times, only got knocked out once in those, only also having that other knockout to uh, Stefan Struve. But coming off a two-fight winning streak, the champ, uh, Stipe Miocic knocking out and then decision in Daniel Cormier coming in against the four-fight winning streak, Francis Ngannou only losing to Stipe and Derek Lewis via decision. The last four wins all via knockout, all inside of a minute. I mean, the blitzing power of Francis Ngannou is still unbelievable. Uh, proving it against other solid chin fighters. He just puts them out. Rosenstrike, I thought I had a sharp move saying, hey, as soon as it gets out of the first round, Rosenstrike's going to be good. But no, the bum rush worked. Because if you watch that entire fight in slow motion, which you can, Francis Ngannou bum rushed him. He had both hands at his hips, throwing from his hips, got touched, but it didn't matter because he's got a crazy chin. And going back and watching the first Stipe Miocic fight, one of the things a lot of people don't take away from that fight is how good Francis Ngannou's chin is. He ate Stipe Miocic's best right hand, which has knocked out many, many other fighters multiple times. He ate it in his gas tank and the, also the lack of preparation with that whole flying to France the two weeks before. Um, but still, Francis has gone new chin was unbelievable there and is just really the unsung hero for that fight. But now that Francis Ngannou has really put the game plan together, put a camp together, even though he's gone away from factory MMA, he moved from his camp where Cyril Gain is, which that's a fight that's going to come on later on. But I know a lot of people are making a sink to it. And I made a lot of uh, potential insight to it in thinking that now that Francis left the MMA factory and wasn't working with his a uh, former coach who left him because the story is that his coach said that Francis, once he went to the States was living the limelight and not training, which we saw in that first deep Amy match came back, got back to training. But after the first two knockouts, Francis is like, I'm going to do what I do. Don't worry about me. And that's where his coach was like, all right. His former coach was like, I'm out of here. Francis. So staying at the PI living in Vegas training, uh, at Extreme Couture, getting his hands together, I feel like he's in the wilder type of situation as far as boxing, where Dante Wilder came out of nowhere and just showed raw power. The boxing skill isn't there, but that doesn't matter when your Olympic-level opponents can't take your punches. And Francis Ngannou has shown that, that his opponents can't take that. It's just whether he has a gas tank to be able to do that outside of the first round. And I think that this time around, He's going to have that. At best, I feel like Francis Ngannou is going to have uh, his actual uh, fight IQ and fight capability into the third round. After that third round, if Stipe can get there, Stipe wins this fight. If it gets into championship rounds, again, it's a decision Stipe Miocic. But watching that last fight that they had, um, the punches that Stipe was able to hit in his prime, which is over three years ago, now at 38 years old, father, another one on the way, I feel like Stipe just hasn't... Your chin doesn't ever get any better. If anything, it deteriorates faster than anything. Um, it's kind of the power you hold on to the last, and that power didn't come through as of late. The gas tank's going to be there for Stipe, but again, I don't know if that plays a factor here. Again, Stipe has to get to the wrestling. Has to get it. But I feel like from what I've been seeing, uh, Francis has gotten away from 
all of that limelight, even though he's still doing a lot of media. It's limited and it's more in the Nevada area uh, more than anything. So I feel like here the younger man gets it done at 34 years old and Francis Ngannou's got many young challengers on the way. Um, but I feel like Steve Miocic's run is done. Give me a TKO round number two. This is a really fun, fun fight. Steve Miocic's reign is unfortunately over. Who do you think you're taking in this bout rematch? I think not only is Stipe's reign over, this might be Stipe's retirement match. I think uh, Francis in that 25-foot octagon is just going to come forward too fast, too hot. I think if Stipe has any chance, it's in the wrestling, like you say, which isn't going to be like a single leg, one and done, easy takedown. It's going to require him to get hit with a strike or two to do it. I just don't think whatever Francis has been training for hasn't been just to stay on his feet. Why I don't teach him anything else except takedown defense and striking, takedown defense and striking. So I just, you know, we've seen him with great takedown defense in the past. He's felt Stipe's best shot, like you're saying. I think he can, um, I think, I even like where Francis's head is at now. Um, not even just limelight stuff. He just seems back to the original do we met like humble guy. I think Francis in the first round, I think the 25 foot cage, same bum rush and new. Um, it's his time. Steve, like you're saying, his story is over. It was amazing. He's the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. And now it's time for the scary motherfucker that we were supposed to have before. The Predator himself here. On DraftKings, 8400 for Francis Ngannou coming against Stipe Miocic, the champ. 7800 on DraftKings. The average points for these guys, Francis Ngannou, 89 points compared to Miocic's 100 points. So on DraftKings, Miocic seems like to steal everywhere. But at 8-4 with the knockout ability that I feel like uh, Francis has here, um, the interesting thing to me is that this line actually opened at a minus 250 favorite for Francis and has been bet all the way down to minus 120 plus 105 Stipe. So all of the money, all of the other betters I've seen talk about this on, as far as online are going with Stipe and the avenue is there, but I'm going with the power here. Give me the close favorite here which i'm absolutely happy with the fact that it's a coin flip now makes it much more of a bettable fight for me than it was prior to because it would have been hard for it would have been easier to pay for steep eight not for nganu but at a plus or a minus 120 and nganu all day i'll take that line inside the distance even better yeah. Uh, and if you want to hedge your bet with a distance on Miocic, that's the only way Miocic wins is via decision. So definitely look at that one if you're trying to make that. But on DraftKings, it's not going to be a linchpin for me, but I feel like I got Francis in too many spots here. I'm just not going to go that heavy. The whole th- night, I might play three cards. Absolutely. So we are going to have a break after this. The holiday season into Easter weekend. Your boys got many plans over here on deck. So we're going to definitely take that one off. But then we're going to have a fight night right in tow. We might leak some inside information as that goes on. But do you have any plans for the holidays? 
No, nothing to add right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming along. Thank you for sticking with us as we went through this. It will get better. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.